This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, the United States government needs to restructure the way we approach domestic intelligence. If we are ever going to have a chance at protecting the homeland. Welcome to the program. We're going to spend today most of of the segment talking about the uh, Paris terrorist attacks, but we're going to talk about it from a different angle. How do we lessen the likelihood of of, uh, an organized effort like that from hitting in the United States, keeping in mind that there'll always be a way for the terrorists, ISIS, and others to penetrate our defenses here in the United States. But the goal is to prevent, detect, deter, and disrupt as many operations as you can. That's the goal. But I maintain, and I'll argue today, and I'll walk you through it, why we're not set up structurally to do that. The best weapon in the United States against terrorist attacks is actionable intelligence. That's the best weapon. Law enforcement agencies working together, sharing information, being able to use intelligence in the field, decision makers. That's what actionable intelligence is. It leads the decision maker to act. But to understand the current structure, we're going to have to go back to how we got here in the first place. As you know, the the attacks of 9-11 led to the investigation of how that happened. Where was the ball dropped? So Congress convenes this 9-11 commission. They come up with a a set of recommendations. And Congress, in a panic about another attack and feeling a need to do something, instead of doing something meaningful, came up with a set of recommendations to, are you ready? Prevent this from ever happening again. Right? This 9-11 commission was the biggest restructuring of national security since the National Security Act of 1947. And what happened back then? The attack on Pearl Harbor. So out of the National Security Act of 1947 came the National Security Agency. The CIA was created out of that act. And it was designed to be the preeminent intelligence service, the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA. Now, let me take you briefly through this whole intelligence process. There's five steps used in the intelligence process. You have the collection of information. You have the next step is process exploitation. So you're sifting through this this information that's coming. It's just raw information. It's not intelligence until the end. 
Then you have your analysts, your intelligence analysts, that start piecing this thing together to find patterns. That is the, as far as I'm concerned, the most important step in the process, in the intelligence process, is the analytical work done by trained, experienced intelligence analysts, not investigators. And that's one of the things we do here that I'll get, uh, get to in a little bit. The fourth step is the dissemination. All right, they prepare reports for use by the decision maker. The fifth state, the fifth step, I'm sorry, is the decision maker, the policy maker, could be a president, could be a governor, could be a police chief, could be a sheriff, takes that report and it should tell him or her this. Who specifically are the threats? It should tell you what their capabilities are, and it should tell you, are they planning an attack? Is an attack imminent? That's what a well-done intelligence report should be able to do for the decision maker. And we don't get those. We don't get quality Actionable, actionable intelligence reports. So out of this 9-11 commission, a decision is made by Congress to put the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, in charge of domestic intelligence. That was a misguided decision, a very misguided decision, and I'm about to tell you why that was a misguided decision. And then I'll tell you what we need to do to better prevent, detect, disrupt, and deter terror attacks on the homeland. But before I get into that, let me give you a brief um, snapshot here of sources to gather and collect information. Not intelligence. Remember, that's the end product. You don't gather intelligence. You share intelligence. That comes at the end. But the government uses, these, these security agencies use several sources. Open sources, that could be anything. That could be stuff on social media. That could be out of newspapers. That's called open source information. Then you have imagery intelligence. Reconnaissance missions are done. Photographs are taken. And somebody in this analytical process looks at that to make certain determinations. Then you have signals intelligence. You have, uh, through signals intelligence, geospatial, you use satellites, you can detect troop movements, you can detect uh, military buildups. That's one of the things we missed with the invasion of uh, Russia into Ukraine, by the way. The Russian government was amassing a military operation at the border. That was detectable through satellite, and they just plain missed it. All right, the National Security Agency. That's the national level. Just plain missed it. Didn't see that troop build up. And if they did, let me put it this way. If they did, and they warned the President of the United States that an attack was imminent, even on a ally nation, because it isn't just for the United States when it comes to national security, you might want to warn an ally nation, hey, an attack's coming your way. So if they did, and the President of the United States did nothing about it to warn Ukraine or to warn Russia, 
or to have a counter response ready, then shame on the president of the United States. And I don't know that that happened, but that was missed. And then you have your um, your 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 mass intelligence, which are really measurements, okay? And what you can uh, detect out of that, these are scientific type procedures where you can detect weapons testing by enemies. You can tell ahead of time if somebody launched an attack. All right, so those are some of the major sources of information that are used by uh, intelligence agencies. So here's another important thing to remember about intelligence, the intelligence process. These reports are only estimates. Okay, it is, this is not an exact science. That's why I said, you know, someone will always be able to, from time to time, penetrate your defenses and get through. But that should happen rarely. And I'm suggesting we aren't set up to lower the chance of that happening. Not to zero, but pretty close to zero. Because we have to get it right 10 out of 10 times. We can't get it right just 9 out of 10 times. All right, so keep in mind this is not an exact science, and it was never meant to be. Because, you know, sometimes that's just impossible. So this that's kind of the, the structure we have now. Out of the 9-11 Commission, the FBI is named the head agency for domestic intelligence, and I think that was misguided. I don't think that was misguided. That was misguided. And keep in mind that I studied this stuff. We're going to get into... Uh, how some of this out of the Paris attacks, uh, and that was a threat on the United States, by the way, but how it's going to affect uh, what happens here in the United States going forward. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. It's important that you have that sort of foundation. That's just a snapshot, but it's enough for us to move forward because I'm building the case. Remember, I like to connect the dots, stair-step, and get you to where you have an understanding of why I come to the conclusions that I do about things. All right? So I took two years of study at the Naval, United States Naval Academy Postgraduate School security studies of a master's degree, and I took that and condensed it down to just some basic understanding. That's all you need for the uh, purpose of this um, conversation or discussion that I'm having with you right now, okay? So the FBI gets named by the Congress to lead domestic intelligence here in the United States. And as I said when I opened the show, that was misguided. It was a mistake. We need to take a step back Rethink this thing, but here's the problem. We have to do this on the fly because the wolf is at the door. All right, ISIS is here. The wolf is chewing through the door. We don't have time. Although we wasted the last, what, 
9-11 happened 14 years ago. We wasted the last decade not trying to or uh, improve this whole approach toward domestic intelligence. So the FBI gets named this uh, to lead the the uh, uh, domestic intelligence here in the United States. Let me give you a little bit about the structure of the FBI. The FBI is a downstream organization. And it was designed to be a downstream organization from the beginning. Now, what does that mean? Like their name implies. They are an investigative agency, not an intelligence agency. The CIA is an intelligence agency, the Central Intelligence Agency. It's not the Central Investigative Agency. It is the Central Intelligence Agency. The CIA works for the president. All right, It's an independent agency. works out of the White House. They report to the White House. You can't take an investigator, which is what FBI agents were and are, and turn them into an intelligence uh, officer overnight. First of all, there's a distinct difference between your collection sources and your analytical sources. So if your FBI agents are out in the field collecting intelligence, they cannot do the analysis on it. First of all, they're not trained. And you can't give them a crash course. And I know what the FBI would say. Well, we've trained. You know, forget it. Forget it, okay? Doesn't work that way. You need trained analysts. And that's their sole responsibility. They are now collecting. They're not out. Analysts don't go out and, and start questioning people. They don't question sources. They don't question suspects. And that's what the FBI does as they're going about their intelligence work, Right. They get information that so-and-so may be planning an attack, and they send agents over, and the agents do what they do, and then they start making, you know, trying to connect the dots. You are having two people who have two different mindsets do two very distinctly different jobs. The FBI, when, when I say they're a downstream organization, you know what they're built for culturally? structurally and how they're trained to investigate after something happens. The MI5 intelligence agency in, in the UK, they use this, this, this formula. It's called left of boom and right of boom. Boom meaning the attack. The explosion happened. The terrorist attack occurred. MI5 deals Left of boom. What is their sole purpose? To detect, disrupt, deter terrorist attacks before they happen. Boom, it's happened. What is right of boom? That's your response to it. That's your mitigation, right? You send in resources, you do life-saving efforts. You start to collect the evidence now in right of boom, and you start looking for perpetrators. All Analysts do are look for patterns that here we've identified this person as a potential threat or enemy. Here are their capabilities. If it's some goof sitting in his basement and he doesn't have the capability to put something like this together, he may be spouting stuff on, you know, his Facebook and visiting jihadi sites. And I'm not saying you ignore that, but you try to determine does this guy have the capability? And if it's no or it's very low, 
even if it's very low, you say, is he planning an attack? That's what you want to know. That's what an analyst does. That is left of boom. The FBI stays right of boom. The attack occurs, right? The Boston bombing. Then they come in, they piece it together, they find evidence of the bomb, they find out it's a pressure cooker, they're able to find out that uh, uh, this thing was purchased over here and it was purchased by so-and-so. That's right of boom. The attack already occurred. We want fewer attacks. That's one of the reasons why the FBI is not structurally set up to be an intelligence agency. They're very good right of boom. They're not so good left of boom. Yeah, and I know every once in a while, and I question this uh, approach anyway, you know, they'll set some guy up who doesn't have the capability. See, that's, that's analytical work. You say, this guy doesn't have the capability, but they see he's visiting some jihadi sites, and so they set him up and say, hey, you want to buy some guns or you want to buy a bomb? And then the guy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know he meets, him up, uh, meets up with him somewhere, and then they, they jump out and nab him. That's, <laughs> that's, that doesn't help. The guy didn't have the capability. It doesn't mean you turn away. You know, he's, if he's exhibiting these things, he's visiting these sites, that in and of itself, it's a red flag. You don't go in and set the guy up. An analyst would keep take that information and start to work it, look for patterns, look for new information to come in. The analyst might go back to the collector and say, hey, you know, why don't you go out and get some of this for me? The analyst needs to direct the collector. The person out in the field collecting this raw information so that they can help find patterns. Maybe this guy's connected to somebody who is, who does have the capability and is planning an attack, which is why I said you don't turn away from the goof in the basement on his computer. You don't set him up to uh, buy some bomb-making materials when he doesn't even know how to make a bomb. Just because you have the ingredients doesn't mean you know how to put it together and know how to detonate it. So, you know, if you look at structurally how the FBI uh, agencies are trained, it's all in probable cause for an arrest and how to collect evidence to proceed with the prosecution. That's right of boom. I want my domestic intelligence work and the agency responsible for it, to stay left of boom. Who are the enemies? Who are the threats? What are their capabilities? Are they planning an attack? Is is an attack imminent? The FBI is not set up for that. They will tell you they are. They're lying. All right, you can't take an investigator, like I said, and turn them into an intelligence officer overnight, and they've had 10 years to try to get this done. You need time on a subject, You need people, both your collectors and your analysts, who are familiar with the culture, know the language, understand the Islamic terrorist threat. In other words, they have to have some working knowledge of the Quran. The FBI doesn't have anybody with that capability. And if they do, they have very few. If they've, you know, along the way uh, picked up a couple of people who know that, okay, but that's not enough. Next, we're going to go into a little bit more on this, why they're not set up, and then what I think we need to do. 
You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. Whatever that mysterious feeling is, whatever that inspiration, that vitality, that life force that seems to descend or come up into you and give you this power, give you this excitement about life, this this undeniable energy. I mean, you feel it when it's, I'm feeling it. When it happens, it is undeniable, and we must respect that feeling. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So you have the FBI out there masquerading as an intelligence agency. Here's, if I were Congress, here's what I would ask. Do you have any informants? Arab speaking, Muslims. Are you surveilling mosques? There's a lot of information that can come out of a mosque. I can tell you right now they're not surveilling mosques. I know why. Because the United States Attorney General has forbidden them from doing so. Why would you tie their hands like that? I realize that's a sensitive area. You put strict oversight and strict guidelines. You use our process, the rule of law meaning the process, And go ahead and let them do it. There's a lot of information that could come out of there in terms of their uh, plans for an attack. You can identify people you're going to want to watch. Those are the ones you should be monitoring, not my metadata or your metadata. Your fundraising, a lot of your fundraising is funneled through mosques. So you have this agency that, that's tasked with domestic intelligence, and you're going to tie their hands. I don't get that. I wonder how many analysts that the FBI has. And I'd want to know this if I was were Congress. And, and you can do this in closed doors. You don't have to do this uh, in open meetings. How many of your analysts speak Arabic, understand the Quran, understand the customs, the traditions, the culture, of the Middle East? How many have been to the Middle East, for heaven's sakes? Those are important questions. And then I'd ask about the the capability, the training, and the pay of your analysts. One of the reasons why many people don't go into the analytical work, it's low pay. They don't the morale is horrible. It's tedious work. You know, it's not real exciting. You're not out in the field. You know, like the FBI agents running around in suits and impressing people with your credentials. So you have to make sure these people are paid properly. It has to be a career path. We don't do that. We take some agent here, you're going to be an analyst. They didn't get into the FBI to be an analyst. And that's why this whole structure, you know, like I said, it it needs to be revisited. How did the FBI miss the Fort Hood attacks when they knew that Nadal Hassan was communicating, had email exchanges with known bomb maker at the time he's dead now, El Alaki? How is it possible that they turned away from that? They turned away from it out of 
sensitivity. They weren't given the green light to go ahead and do further investigation on this guy. Why sensitivity? How did the FBI miss the Boston bomber, the the Zarnea brothers? They were given information. These guys had were engaged in some activities, and and it isn't just on its face, because that's just a collection. One of them went back to Chechnya, a known area of terrorist camps. Who goes to Chechnya? The Russian intelligence officials let the United States know, hey, this guy's been over here in a hotbed of terrorist training activity. But again, you know, the FBI just kind of like dropped the ball. How about, go back to 9-11. How about the Phoenix memo? They had information that several of these hijackers, they didn't know they were hijackers at the time, but they were taking flight lessons, and all they wanted to do was was know how to to uh, take off. They didn't want to know how to land a plane. Well, because they were going to fly it into a building. Many of these guys were on a no-fly list. They were on watch, terror watch lists. And the FBI lost track of them. Because they're looking for a crime to be committed. That's not intelligence work. Another example, you know, the Chattanooga terror attacks on the, uh, the, the military, military facility there. Like I said, this is not an exact science. You're not going to catch them all. How do you miss Nadal Hassan when he's communicating and you know he's communicating? The FBI knew he was communicating with Al-Awlaki. They knew it. How do you miss that? How do you miss the Boston bombers? So now let's get into the Paris terrorist attacks. So you had that uh, violent incident, the terror attacks, Paris, up to 130 dead, many more injured, a series of coordinated attacks, low tech, but very organized. It's the kind of thing I think we're going to see now instead of the one you know, attack a guy with a gun or bomb. You know, they're going to have multiple locations, different times. It's really going to throw us off. So then we get this this flurry of activity in the United States, right? And I'm watching this as it unfolded here in the United States. And I'm like, this is where we were pre-9-11. Reactionary. I heard uh, James Comey, director of the FBI, guy I admire, I really do. I've met him, man of great integrity. He gets up and says there's no specific threat to the United States at this time. Yes, there was. I, uh, during that week, I saw a, a video of some uh, terrorists saying we're going to uh, uh, blow up Washington, the White House, New York, and other places. That's specific enough for me. I'm believing it. See, they're caught up in this language. There's no specific or a non-specific threat. Remember the July 4th when they put out the warning? The FBI raised the terror level. July 4th. They're hung up on holidays and events. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But what was significant about the day in Paris that those terrorists Struck. None. It wasn't a holiday. 9-11 wasn't a holiday. 
So we're stuck in this this mindset of well, we'll watch the Super Bowl and the World Series and 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 we'll watch uh, Memorial Day and the Fourth of July and Christmas. Now I hear that the FBI is going to put people, the American public, when I say people, in a state of hypervigilance during the holidays. That's about 45 days. You cannot keep people in a state of hypervigilance for 45 days. It's mind-numbing. After a while, you just tune out. Cops do it during their shift, 8, 10 hours, and they get to turn it off and go home. You know, every time, all, all we're, we're stuck with raising the, what's the threat level? It's orange, it's purple, it's red. It's, it means nothing to anybody. It doesn't mean anything to me. Let's, I don't know what it means to you. It means nothing to me. Threat level is orange, I hear at the airport. What does that mean? Does it mean I wear orange that day or look out for anything orange? And you get into these catchy, you know, slogans, see something, say something. What are people supposed to look for? Why don't you tell them? And just because you see a Muslim or Arab male with a backpack, that in and of itself shouldn't raise anybody's suspicion. You gotta have a little more. So tell people what do you what do you want them to look for to see? See something, say something. Sounds cute, sounds catchy, right? What I want people to do is to see something, do something, act. I'm going to rely on people's innate ability to sense danger. That's what I want. In the next segment, we're going to get into why I think we should be in domestic intelligence. We're finally going to get there. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. And the fact that they have bacon and eggs for breakfast will cause people to riot and throw out the president of the college and spend tens of millions of dollars to build a, a separate, you know, off-campus cafeteria for pigs who like bacon. You have no idea what's about to happen. I don't either, but I have a whiff of it. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So out of the Paris attacks, we get mixed messages. This really drove me crazy. On one hand, you have the director of the FBI talking about, uh, we need people to be vigilant. I'm tired of that word, by the way. Every time I hear somebody say it on TV or in a briefing, uh, we need people to be vigilant. What does that mean? So on one hand, we have the FBI asking people to be extra vigilant, hypervigilant during the holidays. Vigilance isn't enough. We need you to put it into overdrive, to put it on steroids. Now, on the other hand, in New York City, you have Mayor de Blasio saying there's nothing to fear. Go about your daily life. That's not vigilance. There's a lot to fear. Don't tell people not to fear. Like I said, it is a natural instinct. 
and human beings. To be able to sense danger, you don't have to tell anybody. It'll it'll kick in. He just wants to make sure the economy doesn't fall off in New York City during Christmas time. I get that. It's a concern of his. Don't tell people not to be afraid. So you have him saying, there's no specific threats to New York City. There was no specific threat in Paris. The Paris intelligence agencies, which are some of the best in the world, they're good at it. They didn't have any specific threat that that terrorist attack was going to happen on that day. Because you don't always get one. So that's what I I mean when I say this stuff is meaningless. There's a nonspecific threat from an unreliable source or a a credible source. That's what they gave us on July 4th. A credible source tells us about a nonspecific threat. And I'm like, "What what are you talking about? They love doing it. It confuses people. You have the mayor of New York City saying, don't be afraid. And you have the director of the FBI saying, we're going to put you in a state of hypervigilance. Which is it? It's how the FBI has dispatched a crew over to France. And I, <laughs> For what? This should have already been a mechanism for them to exchange information and, and share intelligence. You didn't send any FBI agents over to France. Again, that's right of boom. It already happened. Can you learn from it? Sure. But we're see we're we're, we're still in this this post event mode. Uh, you know, I, I say about terror attacks in the United States, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's hard to say where. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. How would I structure intelligent, domestic intelligence here in the United States? If I were Congress, I would create, and like I said, we got to do this on the fly now. But there are models out there. I would create a pure intelligence Agency, domestic. We already have a, a, a national one or a foreign one, and it's the CIA. The model I would use, several of them. One is MI5. I mentioned that earlier. That is a true intelligence agency. MI5 five agents, MI5, people who work for MI5, they don't have or assigned to, they don't have arrest powers. They don't need them. Their job is not to Make arrests. Their job is not to find evidence of a crime, that a crime might be committed. It is to develop intelligence, to take the pieces of information, analyze them, and try to create a picture of what's happening here. Again, it's who are the threats, what are their capabilities, and are they planning an attack? That's what MI5 does. And if the attack is imminent, they let the... Decision maker, no. And then special branches moves in, and they're the ones that go out and make the arrests and and, and that sort of thing. They pass it off. You don't need MI5 making arrests. Another good one is the um, Israeli intelligence agency. By the way, in the U.K. and in Israel, 
all intelligence goes to and belongs to the Israeli intelligence service and in the UK, MI5. Nobody holds their own intelligence. See, in the United States, it's bifurcated. The FBI has their intelligence. Local law enforcement has their intelligence. All these other agencies in the United States, you have these um, task forces, the Joint Terrorism Task Forces, all have their intelligence and information and sources. No, in, in the UK, they all belong to MI5. That way, nobody's holding on to it. You know who's responsible for it. You can have accountability. You can make sure that it gets shared because people have this proprietary interest about intelligence here in the United States. The FBI doesn't want uh, the CIA or the Secret Service to have their intelligence. And they're not sharing it with Treasury. You know, Treasury, United States Department of Treasury has um, an intelligence aspect. And I'm not saying they don't need one, but you see, we still have this, you see what I mean by this bifurcated? Treasury has an intelligence. You know, when you're talking about fundraising and, and when you're talking about moving money, the criminal activity that can be involved, they need that, Treasury. But I don't know that Treasury needs to hang on to their own intelligence. I don't get any intelligence information from the Department of Treasury. Maybe the FBI does, I don't know. But you need one outfit, like an MI5. There's the model. We had 10 years to develop one, folks. We don't get another 10 years now. Like I said, we got to do this on the fly. We can't ask the merry-go-round to stop and let us get on. We got to jump on while it's moving. Israeli model. For intelligence, and I went over there on a law enforcement mission about four or five years ago, and I got briefings from these sources defense agencies, Israeli police, intelligence agencies as to how they do things. They do it completely different. They do it different because they do real intelligence work, they don't mix it with investigative work. We got to fix this thing. And we got to fix it fast. Like I said, there will be another terror attack, more than one. And it doesn't have to be on the scale of a 9 11 anymore. We saw that in France. They didn't bring down any big building or the Eiffel Tower. Not saying that that isn't a. thing that they would like to do, the terrorists. Went to a nightclub, you know, a restaurant, some other public spaces, a, 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 a soccer match, and coordinated attacks. I'm not going to blame the French intelligence agencies for missing it. Like I said, it's very difficult. But now at least you can go and hold uh, somebody accountable. How'd you miss this? Instead of everybody here in the United States, the FBI pointing at the, the CIA, the CIA pointing at Treasury, Treasury pointing at the NSA, and, and nothing changes, nothing gets better. That's what I would do. What do you think? 
You can follow me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy your week. David Clark, The People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.